Today on The Topping Show, Target shuts down after bond threats, New York passes a minimum wage law for delivery workers, Biden orders PR team to ignore Trump's indictment, Call of Duty boycott grows, Fanatics on track for an IPO, while Instagrams files for bankruptcy, Grubhub to cut 15% of their workforce, Overstock submits a bid for Bed Bath Beyond IP, and AWS has an outage which brings companies to their knees. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resort and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, to see their founder at least twice a day. Guys, he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner and you need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Fanatics moving towards an IPO. Now, Fanatics is a Florida-based company founded in 2011 by Ruben, who's actually one of the co-owners of the NBA Philadelphia 76ers and the NHL's New Jersey Devils, which I actually did some research. New Jersey does, in fact, have a hockey team. I thought it was a rumor for years. But Fanatics is very much brilliant in the fact that they are gaining exclusive licensing deals with teams and entities such as the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, and the MLB in addition to colleges and universities, and in some cases making them the exclusive sellers of their intellectual property. Fancy way of saying that they sell their jerseys, their shirts, their accoutrements, and all those types of accessories. Now, Fanatics is now working globally and apparently it's valued at $31 billion, which is astronomically impressive. They've experienced a bunch of growth throughout the years and made several acquisitions, including Tops, which Somehow, people still buy trading cards, which there's a big phenomenon. It's a quite fascinating thing business use case where there's a golden age of collecting cards, the most valuable card in history. If you check your attic, if you have a horse Wagner card, it's worth over a million dollars, even if it's in piss poor shape because so few were made. The Really, the most valuable ones, the reason it's so valuable, fun little business story, it was actually given as a freebie in cases or uh, cartons or little cases of cigarettes and apparently he wasn't a fan of that because even back in the 1930s or whenever they're playing the baseball with that guy back then he still frowned about that because kids like playing cards so he was worried about the tobacco industry targeting kids so he ordered them to stop it therefore limiting the supply thereby raising the value so if you have a horse wagner card in your grandpa's chest drawers in the attic definitely preserve that and absolutely do not clean or try to alter in any way. That's how I destroy antiques completely. Nevertheless, back to my point, Topps is basically the premier, the trading card company. And Fanatics was able to buy them, and they even bought the clothing brand Mitchell & Ness, which I assume they made clothing. Again, I don't, I like try to buy clothing every six to seven years, if I could help it, even lesser is better. Now, Fanatics held their second investor day in which, in about nearly in a year and a half, and it seems like they're quietly moving closer and closer and closer towards an initial public, do- public offering. And this is coming from a source that reported to the CNBC. And more than 100 existing prospective institutional investors, even firms such as Goldman Sachs and Barclays, came to that meeting. And they even had, what was that pretty boy, that uh, quarterback, uh, the one with the chowder. Uh, Tom Brady actually showed up to give some sort of motivational speech. So there's about 400 additional people who showed up to the virtual meeting with that. It'll be interesting to see 
they probably will do an IPO just because that's how a lot of these companies grow and develop and as well as the founders can actually make a living. Whereas most of these companies or most of the ventures, you, you put a lot of blood, sweat and tears as a company, you don't necessarily take a personal profit until much worse later. Sacrifice today is for success tomorrow, some might say. Now, other interesting business news, you have instant brands filing for bankruptcy. And they might actually have someone who could reach in and save them. Now, Instant Brands is most famously known for, if you look in your good old, well, I don't know how old it would be, but yeah, I'd say moderately old. I don't know the last time I bought any, but they're the maker behind Pyrex as well as the Instant Pot. Now, this is Chapter Lake Raven Bankruptcy. And according to the filing with a U.S. bankruptcy court in the Southern District of Texas this week, they have more than $500 million in both assets and liabilities. And I'll say sales of the electronic multi-cooker devices reached $758 million in 2020 during the start of pandemic, which makes sense when people were working from home, they're thinking, how can I also save some money? Cooking for yourself is one of the best ways to do it. One of those imprudent business decisions or fiscal decisions you can make is ordering out food, an extravagance which Americans seem to overindulge with. I, it astonishes me how much money people spend to have food delivered to them when you can make it for a fraction of the cost. And by the way, making yourself is infinitely healthier too. But I digress. I know some folks who still like to do that. Now, they reached $758 million in Pantech, but last year's sales plunged about 50% to $344 million. And their dollar unit sales also declined 20% over last year. So all very all very bad things for the company. Time shall tell if someone buys the remaining assets or if they're able to cut the cost and maybe come back stronger than ever. And hopefully not too many people lose their jobs over this. Now, other interesting business news, you have Grubhub cutting 15% of their workforce, which of course you always wanna quantify the data. That equates to about 400 employees. And it's the company noted that, you know, I know it's cliche to say, but it's not personal, it had to do with the lack of demand as more and more Americans are realizing, wait, why am I paying 50 to $80 for a hamburger to be delivered to me? I mean, they still do it, but they're also going to the comp competition. So it looks like Grubhub and its subsidiaries account for 9% of US global delivery market. And they're far behind in losing market share to the two biggest competitors being DoorDash and Uber Eats, which are both growing more and more and more. So unfortunately, it looks like they're going to have a reduction in headcount. Hopefully they're able to find jobs at a different, maybe more effective company. But in time shall tell to see how long all those businesses can actually, how long is that a sustainable business model when the cost for those businesses keep going up? Mm, time shall tell. Now, other interesting business news, you have Overstock submitting a bid for Bed Bath & Beyond's intellectual property. Now it's very unfortunate, Bed Bath & Beyond filed for bankruptcy. They're liquidating all their access, access assets, not accents, accents, they usually tend to stick with the person for quite some time, but Bed Bath Beyond, so they're selling everything from the brand name to their inventory to their customer data, and Overstock put a bid for $21.5 million for their intellectual property, including business data, rights to mobile applications, contracts, and other related assets. It would also assume some Bed Bath Beyond liabilities, and rivals have until tomorrow, Friday, for them to actually have a counter bid. So if someone wants to swoop in at the last minute and outbid them, that's always, yeah, that's always a possibility. But uh, I'm a little skeptical just because, uh, I mean, time shall tell, but a lot of good assets and just throughout the years, 
they're just losing more and more money. So we'll see if anyone actually wants to outbid them. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Target shutting down locations due to bomb threats. Now, this is coming after a few days where there was an ultimatum. And again, this is, there's a lot of um, things where you have to say this is allegedly happening. Well, it happened. I guess you should say it's allegedly by some groups. But you had a combination of 200 LGBT groups sending an ultimatum to Target saying, we need you to put... So, big controversy. Target had... LGBT as well as pride themed uh, apparel and devices targeting children, which of course for 10 plus years, they've had um, adult clothing on LGBT accessories and apparel. This is the first year they transitioned pun moderately intended to child wear and satanic materials. I don't mean satanic just rhetorically. I mean, they actually had pins that literally had Satan on it saying Satan, Satan respects pronouns. The UK-based designer is a self-proclaimed Satanist, actually has pictures of him, I forgot the pronouns, but with horns, a pentac- very literally satanic materials, and there's also the controversy with the tuck swimsuit with the swimsuit. I won't even go into it, you probably already know what it is, but that's why the Target boycott is different this year versus past years, no one really cared what they were selling. Now. They responded to the criticism originally by moving the apparel and the accessories to the back of the store and removing a couple of the items as well. Now, doing that, kind of like the Bud Light thing, kind of just pissed off everyone. People on the far left were very irate that they're moving the product because it's no longer in your face at the front of the store. And then people on the right are concerned because you still have those most of the same materials there, as well as the child um, apparel and all that stuff. So another great example of pissing everyone of really not taking a hard stance and really just really annoying and disappointing and confusing all audience members and consumers and prospective consumers. Now, because of the movement of the stuff to the back of the store, those 200 groups, and again, we don't, these emails aren't from a specific group, but the group have members. There's a lot of speculation, but they said, you need to do this within 20, you need to put that to the back front of the store and give us more affirmation within 24 hours or else. They didn't expand on that point, probably for legal purposes. Now, the company thus far has also lost $16 billion in stock market valuation since this um, snafu. And it's already having an impact on the foot traffic. So they have 13.9% less foot traffic in the stores since this PR nightmare. And the one of the most important things about retail and brick and mortar is foot traffic. That's the hardest part of owning a brick and mortar, owning a business, is getting people in the door. There's, they literally spend millions of marketing dollars trying to convey those messages on the TV, the YouTube, to get them to come there. Because you're going to spend more in the store versus online. There are multiple studies also about spending more when you're using credit card versus cash. And there's a whole science about how you move around the store and you spend more depending if you're going counterclockwise versus clockwise. It's a magnificent, fascinating art and science of retail and have a big decrease in foot traffic, that's getting more, that's even worse. That's gonna get even worse now that there's these threats. Now, there have been targets in five states where they've had these bomb threats and they've actually evacuated the stores, even more concerning from a consumer retail experience as well as a PR and safety. Now, thankfully, no one was hurt. There was actually no explosive discovered. They coordinated with the police and most of these instances of threats are coming from individual emails. Now, will the FBI actually do their job and track them down and prosecute them? No, no, pro- probably not. I, I'm highly skeptical since, unfortunately, 
it seems like the law is only applied one way these days. A good forensic scientist should be able to figure that out, but I digress. Now, one of the emails was quite specific. They noted, and actually it's kind of cliche, so I must, again, they are also bad at marketing as well. Now, this email said, quote, we're going to play a game, unquote, which cliche horror movie doesn't really, ins if anything, I would have laughed if I was a store manager and been like, this person is too cliche. They're not even original with their threats. Nevertheless, they also expanded on that email. They said, so they said, we're going to play a game. And they ended the game with the date, August 19th, 1995, which was the day of the Oklahoma City bombing. This threat email to the store was located in Oklahoma City. And this email also claimed that two of the seven Target stores were going to be bombed. So they, they referenced a terrorism attack and they targeted stores in that area. Now, again, thankfully, no threats were found, or no, sorry, no actual bombs were found, but still quite concerning if you're a store manager. And also, this is going to have a huge ripple effect. If you just think about one store, let's say conservatively, there's about 300 employees and consumers in that store at any given moment. If you evacuate that store, that's 300 people leaving the store who are scared, concerned, or maybe they're employees that they know it's mostly bullocks, so they're just happy to get a couple extra hours off of doing nothing. It's not good because that's 300 people. Let's say they have three people in their family and they got five friends, and this is a negative experience. So they're going to tell seven to 12 people. It's quite pessimistic or kind of a little dampening on my faith in humanity when you look at multiple research studies on people when they have an interaction with a business or a product. If they have a good experience, like an exceptionally great experience, on average, they'll tell one person. If they have a bad experience, they're going to tell between seven and 12 people about that bad experience. And that number varies on which studies you're looking at. And of course, there's variations with age, demographics, and geography. But that gives you a good idea of the big discrepancy between a good experience and the overwhelmingly concern of a bad experience being exponentially worse for their PR. So you have 300 people per store on average just leaving, telling all their friends, posting on social media, and I don't want to speculate too much about the average consumer who goes to Target, but I'd venture to, they may not be the people who take steps to protect themselves outside the home. Let's just put it that way. And they're more reliant on others for security and safety. And in that case, they're going to be even more concerned because they're helpless. They're sheep going out into the stores. They quite literally are dependent on everyone else except themselves. So if you have no way to protect yourself in that case as well, that's especially concerning. And this is just fueling the people moving to Walmart. All the analysts, including the, re the recent stock downgraded by Citibank, they all noted it's not just consumers are spending less, they're losing to Walmart. These customers are going to the competition. And again, I have to say for the thousandth time, Target is a luxury, not a necessity. It's overpriced. It's, uh, you're paying a premium for, and I, I give them credit, the stores are beautifully architect architecturally designed, the aesthetics are very nice, the lighting is good. It's a premium experience for clothing, knickknacks, and all the crap you don't need. And again, if you want staples in terms of things you need, like beef, beef jerk, well, beef jerky is a good snack, vegetables, fruits, the staples, Walmart's a lot better because it's a competitive price and they have more groceries. Everyone needs groceries that eats, except robots maybe, but most people need to eat. Now, 
Walmart has that. And they also have a really good selection of the other things that you need on a less frequent basis, like electronics, clothing, what have you. And it's a very compelling reason to just go there. There's less friction. You don't have to worry about kids asking additional questions that may not, that I was about to say may not, are not appropriate for their given age group if, you know. So more and more people, especially parents, I think are transitioning to the other stores, pun moderately intended. How will Target try to pull up from this nosedive? I'm not too sure. I think, no, actually, I don't know because they've taken a hard line. They actually endorse breast binders, which cause permanent damage to adolescents, mammary, mammary glands. And the, there's a lot of negative long-term health um, concerns about those devices. And again, they're size, sized for children and Target sold those and they're still selling those. So it seems like they've made their decision. They need to, in this case, given their, given their past and present political affiliations and their statements, they should probably reach out to those 200 groups as soon as possible if they want to regain those customers. And time shall tell to see if that's a long-term positive business decision. We'll see. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Call of Duty, their boycott is expanding and raging on. It's gotten to the point now where they are deleting all a bunch of their tweets, or rather, their fans or former fans tweets. Now, Twitter's taking the, or rather, Call of Duty has taken the opposite approach to their social media interaction as opposed to Bud Light. Bud Light has not tweeted since, I believe, August 14th. Now, in social media, uh, that's about, yeah, it literally is two months for, uh, ago. In social media, that might as well be 20 years because they know if people post, whatever they post, people are going to be ratioing them. A social phenomenon in which you critique the original post and your critique gets more likes, appraisal, and more expensive than the original post. Now, Call of Duty, which again is owned by, owned by Activision Blizzard, they're doing the opposite. They're posting six to eight to 12 times a day, just lightning fast, pretty much no deviation from their traditional social media model where, again, they're always advertising about games, updates, uh, DLC content you're forced to buy. And they just keep going and going. And it's quite entertaining because I looked on LinkedIn yesterday, or not LinkedIn, I looked on Twitter yesterday and about 80 to 90%, I'd say 95% of all the responses were the two line or two phrases. One was leave the kids alone. And the other one is bring back Nick Merck which was the first person who got banned for quite literally just tweeting, leave the kids alone. Now, the boycott is expanding since Tim the Tate man, no affiliation to Andrew Tate, although it'd be fascinating if that was like his online persona, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Now, he actually told Call of Duty to remove his purchasable skins and apparel in the game where you could buy virtual clothing and stuff. Call of Duty removed it. And every single response is getting ratioed more and more. And... One of the top comments yesterday by D-Day Cobra, his response to one of their advertisements for the latest update or patch that they're selling, his tweet said, leave the kids alone. His response got 1,357 hearts and 3,000 views. And it's gotten to the point where Call of Duty is deleting responses. They're deleting their own posts as well because 90 to 95% of responses are mocking them and critiquing them. And they're just deleting it all. And it is fascinating to see the video game community come across or come around or come together, rather stay around this cultural topic and agree there's a time and place for certain sexual education and sexual themes. 
and they are all agreeing that there's a not appropriate for adolescents and for children. As a wise man once told me, there's a time and place for everything, and there's such a thing as age appropriate, which is something I think you appreciate the older you get in life, and you really do appreciate the things that good parents do in terms of protecting you from certain things and timing certain subjects in your life. And it's only in hindsight where you really do appreciate that childhood innocence you once had and the conversations were brought up organically at appropriate timing. They were not shoved upon you by third parties, as I don't believe they should. That should be many of these topics, if not most, shall be between the parents and the children. But I digress. Time shall tell to see if this cultural move on the chessboard from Call of Duty pays off or if they just lose more and more money. Or if they lose money, how long will it take before they increase a new audience that makes more money? Time shall tell. Personally, I'm, eh, I think it's going to take maybe a decade for them to actually have a big impact of increase their sales of the new target audience, but time shall tell. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, you have New York passing a minimum wage for delivery workers, also known as we're going to destroy the whole industry. Because again, you're messing around with gig workers and businesses with razor thin margins. Again, the whole business model of these delivery apps, even rideshare apps like Uber, they make a very small amount of money per transaction, very similar to McDonald's. It's all about the massive volume. In fact, for years, Uber was bleeding money. They're just constantly losing money because they're trying to gain market share. They're trying to keep their overhead low. They were investing a lot, a lot of the capital back into the company, back in the technology, building out the apps. None of that is cheap. So the new minimum wage in New York is going to be $18 an hour, which is astronomical. That's, I believe, double the minimum wage. Now, this is going to affect, or rather, affect everyone, although it will infect businesses, but it'll affect everyone from mom and pop shops to the giant big boys of Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. Grubhub, the company you just talked about that's already suffering and bleeding talent. Yeah, it's going to get worse for them because the costs are going to go exponentially higher. And eventually, maybe Americans will start to push back and say, why am I paying, again, $50, $60, $100 to have some hamburger delivered to me? A bizarre extravagance I could can't possibly fathom. Now, it's even more, not disgusting, appalling, but of course, it's one of those cliche things where whatever you give, it's never enough with certain institutions or people. And here's a good case in point. Now, the labor, labor rights activist and even the city's comptroller say even $18 is not enough. They, I mean, they're saying 18 is it's just not enough for the cost of living in New York City and, and the cost being for the delivery driver. And they say that the app-based gig companies say the ruling will cause an unintended consequences for the workers. And a spokesman for DoorDash told TechCrunch that, quote, litigation isn't off the table. Well, yeah, absolutely. You're going to destroy the companies. They, and again, one of the reasons you have, I mean, I always... I always laugh when people complain about the cost of certain cities and just the cost of living. Well, it doesn't help to have everyone taxed to death in those cities, including people, businesses. Can't help but notice every business that I know of is relocating to places that are much more attractive for employees, for businesses, because they have no income tax or low income tax. There's a lot of benefits moving to a freer state. Now, New York City's delivery workers currently make $7.09 per hour on average. So you're quite literally more than doubling the cost for those apps for those companies. 
I can't think of a single instance where doubling, quite literally doubling the cost doesn't have an astronomical detrimental impact on the business. Even if they decide, okay, we're not, we're gonna, I can't, you can't absorb all that cost. That's more than 50%. So consumer, of course, they're gonna have to pay even more for this extravagant luxury. It'd be interesting to see, will they just leave New York City? I mean, I wouldn't be a terrible business. It'd probably be a nice relief for people to move away, but I mean the businesses, but time shall tell to see if they could actually make it a profitable endeavor. Now, other interesting business, or rather political news, other interesting political news, you have Biden order, Joe Biden ordering the DNC and his reelect campaign to ignore the Trump indictment. So President Joe Biden and his top aides have taken a vow of silence on the federal indictment of his predecessor, Donald Trump, and have explicitly ordered the National Democratic Party and his reelection campaign to do the same. And one might ask, my, I, I can't help but ask, has he suddenly, is he, uh, is this an altruistic, a kind thing that he's doing where he, he just wants to treat his uh, opponent with dignity and respect? No, absolutely, of course not. It's a political chess move to be manipulative and probably to just have people focus less on him. It's, it's one of those things where if he were to actually show more of a, it'd be almost impossible, but if you were to show even more of a bias and political manip manipulation of, again, this unprecedented issue where Trump is being prosecuted when no one else was for doing the same things or worse, Biden actually had classified files in his locked garage as a VP. VPs have less, as far as my research showed, they don't have the authorization to declassify documents and they have less authorization for certain files and just in his garage. Now, you also have the issue where Mike Pence, same thing, he had classified files, was he prosecuted? Not at all. What about Hillary Clinton, who literally had a private email server in her bathroom, which again, no one has a server on-prem ever. I mean, that's something that a business has. My IT company, we sell servers, and some people want an on-prem email server, mostly in the cloud these days, but she had those emails on-prem. She used a special software to erase all of them. She also happened to share a lot of that content with, I think it was, I forget his name, but... As a member of the Democratic Party who was connected with a Chinese spy, none of them faced prosecution. And the government at the time when Hillary was being investigated, I would say pissed poorly investigated, but at the time they argued that because she appeared to not have malicious intent and she was also running for president, they thought it would be poor optics and inappropriate to prosecute her because it would be seen as political persecution, also known as tipping the scales in one favor. And again, I can't help but think why are they going after Trump, but they didn't go after any of those three. And there's more examples. Those are just the three at the top of my head. So my theory is that Biden just doesn't want anyone to focus on his connection with Trump, maybe, or in terms of people really, you want to have all the attention on Trump. No, he doesn't want people to think about his name. He's also being investigated for that alleged bribery when he was VP with the oil company Burisma, where his crackhead son was on the board of directors for 14 months getting paid more money than a year's salary in a month, most Americans. But one of the most important rules of politics is wherever the focus is on, it's usually a bad thing. Biden won the 2020 election because everyone was focused on Trump. Every single person, that's all they talk about. He didn't even campaign, he was just in his basement. A political move that turned out to be brilliant in terms of the moves on a chessboard worked out for him. 
because all the attention was on Trump. It is fascinating to see him do this, but again, I suspect there are ulterior motives. And it's one of those things where politics is very much a game of chess. This is a calculated move, make no mistake. And time shall tell to see, I suspect his last approach will be the most successful for him. I don't think you're going to see a lot of aggressive campaign commercials or anything where Biden's at a rally getting all excited, trying to you know gather attention or gather you know, rile up the crowd. They want everything to be focused on all the all the legal attacks against Trump and everyone focusing on Trump's alleg- uh, alleged crimes. If that's the focus, then I suspect Trump will have, well, already has an uphill battle. But that, I suspect, is Biden's game plan, which, again, has worked before. Time shall tell if it works again. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day. You have AWS, also known as Amazon Web Services, having an outage earlier this week and kneecapping countless companies. Now, Amazon Web Services, for people not in the technology segment, glorified, rudimentary speaking, it's someone else's computer in a data center across the country you can't see or touch. So instead of having a computer on your desk, you have it in a data center, and that could host your website, you can host your applications. It's, a lot, it's very much advantageous because you don't have to have it on-prem, also known as in-house. And it is perhaps the most popular platform, bar none, the second is probably Microsoft Azure with their cloud platform. You have Google Cloud, but Amazon was really first to the industry and they're an industry leader in that technology. And most Fortune 500 companies are utilizing that technology. It's advertised as having the lowest amount of downtime, downtime being time at which the technology, as it might sound, is down. It's not on, it's off, it's broken, it's not working. And to have this little stain is certainly not a good issue, especially because the companies that we're all connected with it are some of the largest companies on the planet that everyone knows about. So specifically, we had an update from Amazon that said, quote, many AWS services are now fully recovered and marked resolved on this event. We are continuing to work to fully recover all services, unquote. So the only response we really got was, it's back up and running. Time shall tell to see actually what happened but some of the biggest businesses that were affected include McDonald's, Delta Airlines, the Taco Bell app, the Burger King app. Actually, this might not be a bad idea. Americans might eat, have to, they, might be, they might be forced to eat healthy for once and eat a damn vegetable. Good God, the humanity. So perhaps not the worst outage when you have those, but as you can see, those are big logos that a lot of people know about and a lot of people care about. Now. Will this impact their long-term sales strategy or their long-term sales? I suspect just a little bit. You have Google Cloud as well as Microsoft Azure pushing their services as well. But Amazon is still the biggest. They still have a lot of incumbent where a lot of companies are already using it. But I feel bad for the sales reps over there because, again, you're advertised as one of the most reliable, robust systems on the planet. To have any type of average at all, even if it's a small, short one, that's... And still got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Cannot thank you enough for taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. It also helps if you share the videos with your friends. I've noticed that the more comments a video has, the more views. So it's always a little bit of a mystery of guessing what the YouTube algorithms and the mystery boxes are actually doing to promulgate and advertise certain videos. So I greatly appreciate you taking the time to do that. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.